Welcome to Flow with Arman Asadi. Boy, oh boy, are we going to be talking about flow today. I have in the house my very good friend, Dmitry Kozlov, who is the founder and CEO of a company called Influix. Dmitry is also an investor in my company, Project Evo, and we have known each other now for a few years, and I've been really looking forward to this conversation. Um, first of all, as you'll see very quickly, Dimitri is just the man, a young, brilliant man who has done the work to truly evolve himself into such a wise soul today. And he just perfectly balances living in this reality of achievement and needing to create uh, true impact in the world and contribution through his craft, through his art, while also being very in tune with this question of who am I and what am I really here to do? The conversation starts off, kicks off with us just talking about integrity and honesty, because that's something I really value in Dimitri. And from there, we talk about uh, what it really means to be an artist, which is something that he has a lot of experience in, not only helping other artists and influencers express themselves, but his own form of art, which is creating these personal brand influencer sites for people, spoken word poetry, writing, and so many other ways in which he's constantly expressing himself. And as you'll see, that really is one of the biggest pieces of his mission in life is how to constantly be expressing himself and to give other people a path for doing the same. So we also end up talking a lot about uh, his company, Influx, and what they are doing today and what that company really provides for people, which, as you'll hear, my new website is beautifully built and produced by Influx, and I'm so, so, so proud of this website. It's absolutely beautiful and stunning. If you haven't checked it out before, definitely go to armanasadi.com to get the full experience. And we finish out by closing and talking about relationship building, which is one of Dimitri's superpowers. I mean, he's hung out with Richard Branson a few times. So many people that we all look up to, Tim Ferriss, uh, just various people that he has somehow, through this courageous manner, been able to build relationships with. And we get really practical about how to do that. And at the end of this conversation, there's a surprise that uh, surprised me, actually. Dimitri had a little surprise at the end with some spoken word poetry that was extremely moving uh, and emotional and deeply, deeply impactful and just straight up badass uh, to see him in his element. So definitely stick around to the end for that. Now, if as you're listening um, and you're thinking about having a personal brand site, which pretty much everyone on the face of the planet at this point, whether you're an entrepreneur or an employee or a freelancer, that is your resume. Your personal brand site is your resume. If you're interested in learning about what Influx does, which now they're providing multiple service levels, like their premium service, the one I did, is definitely premium. It's a hefty investment. Um, but it's 1000% worth it. It just kind of depends where you are personally at in terms of your budget and your needs. But they have a pro level now as well that's less than that. And now they have like a, uh, I believe he called it DIY, uh, <laughs> do, do Influix yourself, which is brilliant. So there's a whole program on how to actually do this for yourself and take everything that they did for me, but apply it in your own world and save a ton of money and do it for yourself. So wherever you're at in terms of budget, 
They are the number one solution in the world for developing your own personal brand site. So if you want more information on that, just text me, hashtag Influix, and I will send you details on that automatically. And you're gonna wanna text hashtag Influix to 619-825-2595, and I'll get you those details. Without further ado, my conversation with Dima. Good to meet you, my brother. Good to see you. Good to see you. Mm-hmm. Good to be here. You are one of my favorite people in the world to talk to. I'm a little overwhelmed <laughs> because I feel like there's a million things I could talk to you about, but uh, only so much time. And the first thing I want to say is something that I often think about with you, and that is just integrity. From the first moment I've met you, you have had so much integrity both in life and in business and everything that we've done, whether it be um, our partnership and Project Evo, our friendship, the immaculate, beautiful, outstanding, world-class website that you and your team at Influx helped put together for me that is just mind-blowing. There's so many things. And every single time, you just show up in the truest sense of yourself. And I really look up to you for how you embrace the challenges of life, how you just dive right in and you are unapologetically you in terms of how you express yourself, but also how you face your personal growth and you turn every single fucking thing into an opportunity to better know yourself and you stay true to your nature. So I just want to honor you, bro, and and be truly honest with you about uh, everything that I see and reflect it back to you because you're an incredible person. I appreciate our friendship so much. Mm, thank you, brother. Thank you. That that really, really means a lot. And it inspires me to speak a lot on this concept of integrity and what that is for me as well. Please do. I, so first, I believe integrity is like, it's what makes life work. And so as a number one value, I, I think of it as beyond the value, right? It's like the foundation of everything. It's literally what what makes everything work. And to your point of what you were just sharing around expression as well is there's there's kind of two forms of integrity. And I've just been learning this more recently mm-hmm. with more embodied awareness of it is there's masculine integrity, right? Which is integrity to our word, our values, and basically saying what, doing what we say we're going to do mm-hmm. and following through or cleaning it up, right? And there's plenty of times where I mess things up and then I get to clean it up. Right. And that's that's part of the communication in that. And then there's feminine integrity, which is just as important, which is being in integrity to the moment and mm-hmm. to our own truth, which naturally will change and shift. And so a lot of my life recently has been learning the balance of those two of masculine integrity of, hey, I set out to do something and I said I was going to do something, follow through on something. Let me follow through on that and have integrity with myself or whoever I made that commitment to. Mm-hmm. And then there's also balancing that with the feminine integrity of, hey, there might be a different truth in the moment. I might say I might have made a commitment to a plan that I was going to show up somewhere. And then my in the moment truth might be, hey, there's actually something that's either seems more important right now or that maybe I'm sick and my body's not doing well and in the past, I would push myself based on the concept mm. of integrity of, hey, I got to follow through and meet my word here. And that was right. And now there's this also this concept of integrity of, hey, I have a different truth in the moment. 
which in that case, it might be that my body's sick and the best thing I can do right now is rest. And that would actually be most of service to whoever I'm showing up for or with as well. And so there's following that. And it's not out of integrity. Mm -hmm. It's actually in greater integrity with whatever the moment's truth is. And I think that that's that's really important because I think when, uh, for me growing up, it's been figuring out a lot of my own masculinity. I grew up without a father, haven't seen him since I was seven. So kind of figured out masculinity along the way for myself. And so this concept of integrity was always tied to masculinity for me. Yeah. And now it's been finding that greater balance with the two. And uh, within that part of the integration is there's also like communication and cleanup. Where if I said, I'm going to do something, follow through on something or be somewhere or even with with clients, hey, we're going to deliver this by this timeline. And then realizing, wow, okay, if we try to follow through on that commitment, that'll crush our team or that will uh, reduce quality or something like that. So rather than following through on that same commitment is I can go back and re-communicate of, hey, based on new awareness and the the truth of the moment resources experience right now, uh, something has to change. And this is the new commitment that we can make. And then being willing to meet whatever consequences right. are there, which usually they're quite minimal. It's usually actually more in our heads. Mm-hmm. And as long as there's, as long as it's not an excuse, but rather an embodied truth in the moment, then it creates an opportunity for even greater integrity mm. by listening to that rather than thinking that we have to commit to a, what a past version of ourselves said. I mean, um, I, I absolutely need that uh, as what you describe as a more feminine version of integrity. To me, when I hear that for the first time, I've never heard it expressed that way. I immediately think of self-care mm-hmm. and I think of an internal perspective and focus versus an external one. The challenge I have immediately when I hear that is I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I need some of that. But then my brain sees them in conflict with one another. Mm -hmm. So in your example of going inward to understand what you or your company or your team might need and being able to be honest and in integrity and communicate that, how do we balance those two? Because the other thing that we were taught was push, follow, you know, word is bond always show up, always stay in integrity. So how and when in a pragmatic sense, do we decide and determine what to choose and when to choose it? You know, they, they mm. seem to be in polarity and in balance with one another, but also in conflict. Mm. So I love that the name of your podcast and so much of your brand is about flow. Yeah. And of course, Evo is so much about flow. And I believe that flow requires the balance of the two. Mm-hmm. And so much of flow is identifying right truth in the moment and through aligning with that i think there's there's a general like pattern and integrity of the universe and the more we can listen and align with that the more energy can flow through us and the more that we can actually show up versus if we force it's actually not an integrity of forcing ourselves to show up in a way that doesn't feel like it's in alignment with whatever Uh, right now is presenting but I think that takes, because this is the other side of this coin, right? Which is uh, spiritual bypass of, I hear this concept of feminine integrity. Sure. I also used a lot to like, oh, I was in flow. So I didn't show up to this thing. Absolutely. Like, or I didn't follow like, oh, I changed my mind. So I'm no longer want to follow through on the contract or like something along those lines, which Absolutely. I think is really important that it never gets 
used like that, that it's, it's, if there's a, a change that's being made from an initial commitment, then you have to weigh them mm-hmm. and say, okay, I made this initial commitment. This is my truth or seems to be the truth now. And which one is actually more important to me right now? And then listening, because there's self-listening, and then listening, it requires inquiry as well, right? Because if I have a commitment to you to uh, deliver something on a certain time or show up at a certain time, it would be pretty careless for me to say, hey, you know, Armand, I just don't feel like that's in flow anymore, so I'm going to go do something different. I've heard stuff like that, that, by the way. I, I have been, I'm sure you have as well. Yeah. Um, you've heard stuff like that and it can be very challenging because on, on the one hand also, you know, a lot of people have great levels of compassion, mm-hmm. but balancing that with our individual needs is, is a challenge. And that's why I brought this up as, as a conflict, mm-hmm. because that's a recurring conflict and pattern that I can see coming up for a lot of people where as they begin to develop these different forms of integrity, both masculine and feminine, it can become challenging with the mind to try to solve these things. So it seems like oftentimes there is this shift that needs to be made toward intuition and what you're describing as present moment awareness of what the truth might be in combination with understanding the needs and wants and desires of other people that you have created some sort of trust and bond on your word and commitment with not easy, not easy at all to do. But you know, at the end of the day, the right thing probably is to find a compromise in a way, right? Where, Hey, like if I stayed in this, I'll use an example of an agreement. If we stayed in this agreement together, I'm not able to really show up anymore. Mm -hmm. So I want what's best for you. Like I could, I could chain myself to this agreement and we could stay in it just for the sake Mm -hmm. of the fact that I agreed to it. But we're just going to be more unhappy potentially yeah. down the road. <laughs> well, chances are there's actually a higher truth that's available for both people. Because if you get into full integrity, including integrity with the moment and honoring whatever the initial intention of the agreement is, there's typically some higher truth than what was made in the past or then uh, moving away from that commitment entirely. And I think that just takes mm. really listening to others as well. It's, hey, if right. I shift this agreement, based on what my truth is now, how will that impact you, Armand? Mm-hmm. Um, and getting to know the impact so that I know the weight of my decision rather than just thinking it for a bit. I can have a certain intuition. And then you might share, hey, actually, if you do that, here's the ripple impact that'll have. And that's actually pretty significant for me. And then mm-hmm. through that, I might either come up with another solution or go back and say, hey, you know what? Honoring my initial agreement is actually the best thing here, even if it feels really inconvenient right now versus you might right i might inquire and you might just be like oh dude i don't care at all like we we scheduled this podcast episode and it was like okay well like there's there's levels of impact and so if the impact might be pretty minimal and we only find that out by listening and inquiring and Mm -hmm. understanding how this impacts our, our the rest of our world and i think a lot of people are scared to ask because they're scared to receive what the impact might be right very true they're like oh well i've got to so they get into the justifications and rationalizations and it's either i've got to follow through because like this is my word and i'm going to feel bad otherwise or on the other Uh side it's i got to honor my flow in the moment and this and that and i think the i part is only a small piece of the equation the rest is the the world that you're interacting with 
and being willing to see, okay, if I make this choice, these are the, this is the impact, these are the consequences. And the more we're willing to listen to that, mm-hmm. the more the world will reveal its truth. And again, usually it's actually a lot easier than we think and typically even more in service. Like there's oftentimes when mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I really want to reschedule this call, but I made a commitment, but I'm so tired and I'm not going to mm-hmm. be able to show up fully for this. And then I reach out to the person. I'm like, hey, here's how I'm feeling. I'm willing to show up to this call hmm. and do this as planned. And it would be so much better for me if we can reschedule. And most of the time that person not only responds with okay for me, but they're mm-hmm. actually like, hey, this is actually so much better for me as well because I've got this thing going on and I've got a busy day and you just gave me a spacious hour. Yes. Um, so our truth, sharing our truth is a gift. Yes. And and we get to align on what each person's truth is. And that's what integrity becomes. I guess it's aligning our truth with the external truth. Mm. And there might be a rare time where the person says, no, man, I'm headed to Bali for this next six months. I'm going to be right. offline. Can we please keep this chat for just 10 minutes? Okay, no problem. But then now you feel better for having expressed where you're right. also currently at. <laughs> that's that's like, part of integrity with myself as well is yes. it, it doesn't, the external circumstances don't have to change. I might just need to honor my internal experience where maybe it's just mm. me saying, hey, I'm not feeling well and it's going to be hard for me to show up to this call. A lot of power. And if the person says, hey, it'd be a lot better if we could actually do it. I might just be like, great, I'm going to do it and honor that. And I feel really good about honoring that as well as having communicated what's challenging for me and getting to show up through that. Yeah. Yeah. But not communicating it is out of integrity to myself. And if we do that too many times to ourselves, we build up anger, resentment, suffering, all types of all the suffering that puts us out of, out of flow. Absolutely. And some of the people that I've met in my life that I find to be the most inspiring oftentimes, and I've talked about this various times on the podcast already are those that have the capacity and ability to speak their truth in that moment, as uncomfortable as it might be, whether it be how they're feeling or their honest opinion on something that you're offering them, or you might be saying, that's the other thing we, we have so much reservation about is calling out the elephant in the room mm-hmm. it can be very, very difficult. Um, but when you talk, Dimitri, I just hear so much wisdom that clearly has been accumulated uh, you're you're not this you know seventy five year old man you know you're a young guy and you have so much wisdom so what was that first door that you opened to toward personal development and spirituality do you remember a hallmark kind of specific moment mm, yeah thank you for asking there there were probably a few more in my teens but it was really when I was nineteen uh, one of my first involvements in entrepreneurship was through network marketing mm-hmm. and the company I joined they sent out success magazine mm-hmm. and i put in plug in this audio cd of jim Rohn that came with the magazine and i just remember listening to jim Rohn, and i was like whoa this is wild why don't they teach mm-hmm. this stuff in school and then that led me to watching youtube videos of him and then finding brian tracy mm-hmm. and tony robbins and all these people and i became obsessed i was a total personal development junkie so mm-hmm. i spent college uh, I lived in my dorm the first year and then the next three years, I actually moved back home. It was about a 30 minute commute and I went to the library. I was pretty broke at the time. So I went to the library and got these audiobooks out on CD and would listen to two or three really? audiobooks a week on, I don't know how much I absorbed of it, 
but yeah. I was in the mind space of it and I was obsessed devouring everything from like investing to personal development to public speaking to spirituality with just like reckless abandon, just devouring mm. it. So I probably graduated college with in, with my audio yeah. like moving university yeah. of I think I learned more on the way to school. Probably two degrees school. in that. Right. Yeah. And, Where was uh, that? Where did you go to school? Uh, Brandeis University. Where is that? It's in the Boston area. Boston. Oh. Yeah, really great school. It was uh, the the actually to the point of integrity. The tagline for Brandeis was truth, even onto its innermost parts. Ooh. And it was a university that was a lot around built a lot around social justice. It was started by Justice Brandeis, who was the first Jewish Supreme Court court, uh, court judge. Mm. It started it by him in 1948. And so, even though I don't, I don't credit my college education to a lot of things at all. I was really committed right. during college to not get a job, and then so I graduated with my web design business and did not get a job. I actually read Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss, yeah, probably about. 10 to 12 times cover to no cover headed by my nightstand. I was obsessed with like, I'm going to make this work um, and tried a lot of things. And finally started my web design agency and that worked out really well. Hmm. Um, but, uh, but essentially, yeah, while I was in college, I don't attribute, like I didn't get a lot of great education as far as what I'm going to do out in the world, but I think I got a lot of social justice and moral training hmm. and a great perspective of the world. I majored in sociology and business um, learned nothing from the business side of things mm-hmm. in that way, but I learned a lot along the way. Um, but I think I'm really grateful because it gave me this perspective of a larger philosophy on the yes. world. You know what it also gives you looking back that I miss space, mm. time, the ability to, uh, have a couple classes in a day. And the, the most important thing you might need to do is show up at your part-time job. That might be one thing for a lot of people. It was for me. But outside of that, it's like study uh, to, to, to a certain extent, I, depending on what well, kind of student I, I you are. I had a radically different yeah. experience. This is what most of my friends' college experience was. Mm-hmm. I was Because I was so obsessed with I must graduate and not get a job. Mm-hmm. I had myself so tightly packed because I was doing my mm-hmm. MLM business. And then I was starting the service business. And trying all these other business ventures in the winter, I was snow shoveling. That was wow. one of my first businesses as well. And that actually, like, uh, one time we made like made like ten grand in revenue in one winter, one one January season. Paid my friends out like half of it to do a bunch of the work. Um, That's it was wild. Work, but basically, and then I had a part time job as well, and just that I literally was obsessed. Hmm. Um, but it. But you still found the time for yeah, all this personal Yeah, it never felt like not – it never felt not spacious. It wasn't uh-huh. spacious on a calendar level. Um, uh-huh. But what felt spacious was driving to and from school and being in my own mm-hmm. – being in my own mental space. It was like all of the university students were doing a particular thing with their lives and partying yeah. a lot and doing yeah. all of that. And I was just – I went to a few college parties and I was just like, I'm just not into these red solo cups and like <laughs> – dirty couches and passing out and all like or or any version of the college parties i think by end of senior year i started going to a few because i was already more confident in -hmm. figuring out my future by then um but i got a lot of space by just being so radically Mm -hmm. different in how i was approaching life Mm -hmm. that i just felt like i was living in another reality 
It is. It does feel that way. And there are so many different approaches to it, but it's a special, special time that is really, honestly, in most situations, not about the the formal education that you get. Mm-hmm. And that's a beautiful story and example of how that time can be utilized effectively, productively to make money, to develop yourself, to make sure you don't have to get a job. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's perfect, man. And I'm curious, were you expressing yourself artistically at a young age as well? Or is that a more kind of recent endeavor? And 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 when I say that, I want I want you to open up about, you know, all forms of expression, because mm-hmm. for you, I think that when I think of the work that you do with influence, it's an expression. Spoken word poetry, you know, mm-hmm. it's an expression. Uh, writing, you're a great writer, uh, and and the thoughts that you share with the world are a form of expression. So, is this something that has also be, you know been cultivated over time as well, or was it there at a young yes. age? Yes. Yep. So I I'll, I'll rewind way back a little bit because. Right now, my whole like mission, purpose, the way I define my life is around full expression. Mm-hmm. And the name of the company, Influx, is built. It's the, I invented the name based on influence and expression mm-hmm. as two words combined based on the belief that your greatest influence and impact comes through your fullest expression. And so I believe that a lot of our light comes from our wounds. The wound is where the light shines through. And so mm-hmm. as, a, as a kid, when I immigrated to, I immigrated to America when I was seven, Mm-hmm. Uh, single mom and just had a lot of trouble socially adjusting. The first five years were brutal, got bullied a lot, was learning the language. We were very poor by American standards. I mean, by coming from Soviet Russia, food stamps, welfare, and section eight housing feels like total wealth, but <laughs> they were comparatively poor by American standards uh-huh. and just had a really tough time adjusting. Mm-hmm. And part of that was not being able to find my voice and being so like quiet and shy mm-hmm. and weak and crying a lot and feeling like there's something within me, but I just can't, it's not going to be met by the world. When I was 13, I listened to Eminem for the first time. Maybe I was 12 or 13. And, uh, and then when I was 13, I started rapping. I first learned the song, lose yourself by heart. And then I started writing my own raps to express myself. And it probably saved my life. Cause even a lot of my raps were on like depression and suicide. And I was just so, angry with the world and so sad and depressed and it gave me this outlet to express myself and it gave me connections and friends i ended up being in a gang for a short period of time that did not work out well (laughs) um but uh so a couple of like near-death scenarios but um but i i found my expression through rap at the time and then i rapped when i was 13 14 15 put out a little demo album when i was Mm. 15 that i just recorded solo myself also in high school go home from school, sit there and write and record and like stay up all night sometimes doing this stuff, take a caffeine. Do you pill still, do you still have day. it? Did you keep it? I have. Yeah, I have some of the tracks. Somewhere. That's so cool. It's, you have it's almost to. like it's inspiring and sad listening back to them. Sure. But sure. I like want to be gangster, like depressed kid. Yeah. Um, but there's some inspiring stuff there too. So absolutely. Um, and then I got out of rap because it was also associated with the gain lifestyle and just it was not it was not a healthy thing for me at the time um mm-hmm. and i didn't differentiate between rap and gains it was just kind of all mm-hmm. clumped into one and then i got ambitious and i was like well screw all that let's leave all that behind mm-hmm. and i i wrote some rhymes in between like when i was 18 did a spoken word piece about the save darfur movement and won a poetry slam with it mm-hmm. um 
and I noticed it had a really big impact out of all the stuff that I was trying to do with social justice. That one poem probably had the biggest ripple impact of something I'd done. So I, I think I started discovering then that this is what's mine to do, but I didn't really own it. And it was, wasn't until I was 25 that I started getting back into that art form in the form of spoken word poetry and has been this journey over the last six years, integrating, I'm 31 now, integrating, there's the entrepreneur self, which has been my primary identity in the world. Mm-hmm. And then there's the spoken word artist self. In the last three or four years, they've been integrating together more and more. Right. And now it's at a point where they're so fully integrated and becoming more and more so where the more I actually rap or do spoken word, write, express myself, the more it accelerates all aspects of the business. And this is what we tell our clients too. The more you express who you are and bring your essence forth, mm-hmm. the more your business grows because we're in, a, we're in a world where people want and crave permission to be themselves. And the more they feel that from others, the more connection they mm-hmm. feel and they're more likely to do business with you if you're fully you. And if you being fully you doesn't have them want to do business with you, right? If that puts up a wall, then great, because they're meant to work with someone else and you're meant to work with someone else. Absolutely. Um, So I I really believe in this. Art can be the greatest healing for ourselves, can be the greatest gift to the world. And I don't believe in the starving artist mentality. I believe that if you actually learn art and entrepreneurship together, Mm -hmm. that your artistic expression can be the most profitable thing you can do. Now, when you say that, do you personally uh, have a desire to make a profit, make a living from your art? And in general, do you believe that that's good or that it taints the art? Because this is something that every artist seems to have a strong Mm -hmm. opinion on. Either you need to make your money doing something else because the moment you begin to sell your art, it loses the fulfillment and the joy. Mm. And then some say, no, that's hogwash. There is a way to have it all. And in fact, that's just an age old tale that's BS, basically. Mm -hmm. There's a better way. Yeah, I I think there's so much wisdom in both perspectives. Mm. Um, And I think it's not, I think the question doesn't become, is it okay or, or ethical or right to make a profit from your art? I think it becomes, uh, I think, I think when the answer is no, it's more of, if your primary motivation for creating art and self-expression is profit, I think it gets tainted because I believe that art and self-expression comes from within first, and then it meets the outside world. And if you're a professional, you can take the feedback from the outside world and have it reflect back in a way that evolves Mm. your craft. And the thing with um, the way most business and entrepreneurship and, and marketing is taught, which is really valuable is that it actually starts with the external. It starts with who's my avatar? How am I serving them? What message do I need to do to meet them? And you're, you're a copywriter and you know this, right? It's, it's, mm-hmm. There's a difference between writing content from your heart and writing copy to convert. And when you're writing copy to convert, you get yourself out of the way and you're focused entirely on your avatar and their story and their needs and their pain points and their desires. And I think if you create art that way, that's when you start to lose the artistic spark mm-hmm. because... Art has to come from within first, and then through its full authentic expression, it can meet others in those similar places within themselves. Um, Beautiful analogy. So that's one side of the coin. And the other side of the coin is I absolutely believe 
that you can make a profit and even your greatest profit and build your greatest life from your fullest artistic expression. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it just doesn't look like a direct exchange. Like if I was to think, oh, I'm going to build a career by selling my poems, right? Mm-hmm. Or by even getting, like there's some people that really inspire me like in Q. Like he's, he has his full career around as a spoken word artist and a teacher of the craft and all of that. Mm-hmm. And there's parts of me that are tempted to pursue that kind of career. Mm-hmm. And I also realize that I don't have to, and it doesn't limit my articulous ex- expression to pursue a different path. Because for me, it's, if I get on stage, let's say at Genius Network or at War Room or at Maverick, all places that I've performed. And if I get on stage and perform at those places and people see my heart and soul through that, and then they also know what I do, which is we build websites that express the essence of the human being, right. Right? Their, their core essence um, artistically, then they put the two and two together. So even though our websites are not poetry and vice versa, they see that dude is connected to source and to himself and to artistic mm-hmm. expression and he's creative and I want to get to know him more. Mm-hmm. And if it's a fit to do business together, then great, there's alignment there. And so I've gotten... I think a lot of direct or indirect business growth through just sharing my full expression without the intention of that, you know, generating leads or yeah. building business. Um, but through that entertainment and full self-expression, it's actually accelerated the business. So I think for a lot of people, there's a model that may not be direct, right? but grows the business. For you, it's writing, right? You love mm. writing. I love your recent episode that you just shared with me of where you wrote that piece. And I listened to that and I'm like, wow, I feel so much more connected to Armand mm-hmm. and his perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, you and I are already in business together, mm-hmm. but if we weren't, and I heard that I'd want to get to know you. Yeah. And then through getting to know you, there's usually some sort of alignment that may come that may or may not be profitable for both of us, but it opens doors in a different way than a direct business conversation would open a door. And so my belief is as long as you wrap the right model around it, um, your full artistic expression does lead to your greatest profits. Mm, This is so well put. So well put because so many people struggle with this exact question. And so what what I'm hearing is oftentimes instead of making the art the primary vehicle, you need to make sure that you reverse that The art stays as an inner journey of expression. And if you just so happen in the first example, if you just so happen to then build the audience and build the desire for your art, then great and sell it and make a profit and continue staying true to who you are on the Mm -hmm. inside and vice versa. It doesn't have to come from the art. So if you have an agency or you're an entrepreneur of any kind, or you have a day job, just going out and expressing yourself can create the connection, which I fundamentally absolutely yeah. believe is true too. And I've seen it happen so many times. There's also the idea of flow, right? Your whole podcast is around mm-hmm. flow. Art helps you tap into flow. I think everybody has their own unique individual art. And yeah. for some people like me, it's spoken word poetry, right? And even what we do with websites is art. For you, it's writing. For others, it's painting. For others, this might be like teaching or doing yoga might be their mm-hmm. art, right? They're, the way that they're, they're sculpting their bodies, their spiritual practice, all of that could be their art. And through tapping into that, 
and being oh, fully yeah. aligned with that with no attachment, of course it creates greater flow in all areas of life. Life. Yes. And on the flip side, if we know that there's something that we're meant to be doing and we're constantly putting ourselves in a box and limiting that expression, then it constrains flow. And we can work 14 hours a day, but if we're not tapped into that part of ourselves, there's no freaking way that we can tap into the greatest flow and gifts that we have. Oh, yeah. Well, dead on, brother, because I literally just released another episode asking a question to myself, is art the antidote to death? And you just said art being a path and vehicle toward flow. I fundamentally agree. When we step into that place where we're fully expressing ourselves, time stands still. That's an aspect of flow. And we lose ourselves, like Eminem talked about, mm-hmm. right? In the moment. I mean, he was talking about flow. Yeah, lose he was talking about the music, the moment you own it, you better never let it go. I yeah. mean, it's incredible. And you better never let it go. And so we all have this desire to stay in that moment of infinity because it's this place where death seems to become nothing more than a, than a loose concept. You know, it's like all life and death seem to exist in that one moment when we're Mm -hmm. completely in flow and there's nothing more beautiful than finding the vehicles and the paths in life that allow us to tap into flow, to tap into that place where our art and our true self is expressed. And um, so I love it. And back to what you're talking about that you do at Influx, what a blue ocean, man. Like mm-hmm. you could go out and tell people you create personal brand websites, <laughs> which mm-hmm. there's plenty of people that do. Um, or you could go out and say, I'm going to build something that reveals the truest expression of who you really are. So that when people... Google your name for the first time or land on your website for the first time or pick up your business card. Like, holy shit, I really know Armand. And that's exactly what my website does now. Finally, finally, (laughs) eight years later. Literally the full expression of you online, they're Mm -hmm. digitally 24-7. I mean, it can never be the full expression of the human spirit, but it's as close as we can get. And our craft is how much closer can we bring it to the fullest artistic expression of this human being while again, the influence part of it, while also bringing in all the right conversion principles and being good for business and having funnel components on there. Um, But it's, it's all within this art form, especially for personal brands. I think this applies for all brands because brands have their own essence that gets to be expressed. But as a human being, right, we don't want to put ourselves in a box of a site or a box of a brand. We want a brand that represents fully who we are at the core that when we look at it, Mm. we're like, Oh, that's, this is a beautiful mirror. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And obviously you have gotten to the point now where you've created these incredible, I I hesitate to even call them websites uh, for incredible influencers all around the world. Uh, Lewis Howes being one of them you recently did, right? Good friend of ours. Um, you've done so many. Mike Keenigs. Um, I can't remember some of them off the top of my head. Yeah, but Mike Diller, share that. Brian Dice, Right, right. So where is Influx at today? And and what's next right now, especially with everything going on in the current in, in the world? I'm curious how you're approaching business today. We've had a really the the pandemic has been such a gift for us in terms of pivoting. Because the mm-hmm. first month of the pandemic, 
it like business just froze a bunch of people that were going to do deals with us pulled back. And I think, I don't think it was even economic reality for them as much as it was fear. Fear. And so, and that put us in a state of, well, what are we going to do here? And we didn't want to tap into the fear state, although we were careful. Um, but it gave us the opportunity to do a lot of the things we wanted to do for a long time. So one is we just doubled down on client care and art with the funds we had. And then two, we said, Hey, we've been wanting to launch a training program for a really long time because mm-hmm. our high-end uh, projects, they're tens of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. And then we've got now a lower end thing that's just under 10,000, but it's mm-hmm. still all premium. And so we were like, Hey, I, I've really enjoyed teaching on stages and podcasts and all of that for the last several years. And people have been asking for, Hey, can you give us your full process? Oh, so we decided, Hey, we're going to launch a program called DIY. Like to, oh, to, I was going to say that. So yeah, literally ties the process for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So DIY stands for do influx yourself. So we put out this program and this training, um, and didn't even put a lot of marketing fuel or firepower into it. Hmm. And within the first month, we just had like, I think like 70 students wow. in it and, uh, and it just keeps growing and people love the offer, the training, all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, what's been so cool about it is that yes, it's very tactical strategic training on here's how you build your own website, whether you're yeah. doing it yourself or whether you're working with a vendor on a tight budget, like this is our full process to get a similar result. Wow. And then at the same time we tell people, Hey, it's not really about the website, the website is the expression. This is the spiritual journey into the depth of who you are and then getting to express that through a brand. So mm-hmm. we bring that, bring them through that. But right, if you were to sell that directly, like, hey, let me take you on a spiritual journey into the depth of who you are, asking and answering the most important spiritual question that we're here as humans, which is, who am I? Yeah. Um, if we were to sell people that, it's like, ah, you know, not right now. Trying to figure yeah, I'll, out I'll take the other. Yeah. Right. But if we're yeah. selling them, hey, you're going to have a beautiful end website and your brand's yeah. going to be epic and it's going to be, we're going to teach you the same process we've used for all these top influencers. But then what we really give them along the way while delivering on that promise is clarity, creative clarity on who they are in a way that they understand themselves so deeply that they can then express that through a brand it becomes really fulfilling. So we launched that. It's gone really well, much this better than we can. I got to share this. It. I got to share this with everybody. A lot of people yeah. are going to want this. Yeah. And then know. from that, because we started building a wider audience from that, because so far we've been kind of like this private referral only, like yeah. you really just know about us if you're at the top of your game. Mm-hmm. Now it's been, okay, we're reaching a much wider audience mm-hmm. with what we do. And we've loved being an artful expression of teaching and sharing content and doing all the messaging around this. So we're all having so much fun as a team. The premium services after that first month of kind of things being on lockdown, mm-hmm. it's it's just exploded. Like right mm-hmm. now, our team is so busy. We're totally crushing it. Um, and we keep getting higher and higher level clients coming in. Mm-hmm. And through doing the teaching out in the world, we're actually refining our process. So for anybody that's ever created a course, you know that, it, it takes one thing to master something and do it well. Yeah. It takes a whole new level of mastery and simplicity to be able to take that thing that you do well and then teach it to somebody who doesn't know what or how you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's literally accelerated all of our mastery. And so we came, we've, we've been going through this pandemic just stronger than ever while our team has also just 
bonded, connected more deeply than ever, being so culturally coherent. Um, so it's been this this really great gift for us. So in summary, business is going really well wow. and is more congruent, authentic, and in integrity with our values and vision than ever. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. And you have some amazing people on your team um, that I've gotten to work with that made the whole process so wonderful. Now, after having gone through that process, I can say um, the fact that you are making that available to somebody to do influence for themselves, unbelievable. Like that's just so amazing and so valuable. And I don't think I could do it. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So it's like, I think there that that is perfect because there's a certain client that's like at a stage in their life where they're like, oh my God, are you kidding me? I can save thousands of dollars. This is amazing. I mm-hmm. can totally do this myself. And then there's the other one who, who has gotten to a point where either they lack the patience like me yep. or they really like having the, the, the help, the professional help of having it done for them. And now you're serving all sides of the market. And I think that's right. incredible. It's beautiful. Right. There's so many people who look up to someone like you or someone like Lois House, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, wow, I wish I could have a brand like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're just starting out and they don't have the budget. Mm-hmm. Or they they maybe don't prioritize their personal brand in that same way. So it wouldn't make sense for them to invest ten, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars in doing that. Yes. But it would make sense for them to hire a freelance designer for maybe thousand bucks, 2000 bucks. Yeah. But if they hire a freelance designer, most freelance designers don't know what they're doing with, they might be great designers. They don't know what they're doing. Oh, they'll end up with a cookie cutter templated website and no soul. Right. And that's what you're providing. And then if you go through this process, then whether you're doing it yourself or you're working with any other team or contractors, whatever that you're willing to manage yourself, then if you're going to hire that team anyway, going through this process just amplifies the result while saving you a ton of time, energy, money, and headaches. Right. Right. No, oh, beautiful. Beautiful. And then so what do you think really is pushing the premium side of the of the market up? I mean, because I, I think there's probably a lot going on to unpack there. Like why on the one hand you're you're creating a better funnel where yeah. now perhaps those that cr- pr- are provided exposure to the DIY version and hearing you speak and hearing you train and you're accelerating education. Mm -hmm. And then that's probably reaching more people. But do you think it has anything to do with what's going on with the world now as well? That all of a sudden someone like me might say, you know what, maybe now is a time actually to invest in this. Yes. So two things. One, I think on the internal side to wrap that piece up, it's we've just been at this for so long, got our 10,000 hours. And so now that we're kind of number one in the marketplace, for people that to whom their personal brands are really important and they're choosing to do this anyway, then it's like, we're kind of become the go-to, mm-hmm. which has been awesome. And it takes, you know, it's like overnight success after 10 years of mm-hmm. putting in the work. Um, and then as far as the, uh, what's happening in the world, what I think I've seen more than ever is how important voices of leadership are right now. Uh-huh. And whether that's, a personal brand site or a podcast or just somebody posting on social. It's so many people are so lost and confused and there's so much going on. And uh, even our own inner voices can be like confused and drowned out changes happening more quickly than ever. I mean, 2020 is like, I, you know, I don't know who designed this year, but they certainly like 
just put a bunch of surprise landmines everywhere. Yep. And uh, and this is just the start to the decade. And I think we're seeing a world right now where change is just happening at this accelerated rate. Mm-hmm. And when change is happening at an accelerated rate, there's no system formula or model to follow for like, hey, here's how life is going to work for you. Mm. Um, and because of that, we want to follow and be connected with voices that we trust who are figuring it out as they go. Mm-hmm. So we brought up Lewis Howes a few times, right? During the pandemic, um, Lewis's voice was really inspiring. The people he brought on through a school yeah. of greatness were really inspiring. So his personal brand matters tremendously. So do the voices that he brings on. You know, what you're doing with flow, it's mm-hmm. you're not giving people a recipe for here's how you live life no matter what. Yeah. It's you're figuring things out along the way of how to stay in flow in an insane world and through this podcast, people can access more of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Lewis and so many others through everything that's happening in the world right now with Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. it's like there's like, who do we listen to for what? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, by, and, and I think by people right now leading with more of their voice and their personal brand, whether they're doing it for themselves or to amplify others, Um, so much of the world is looking for that and bringing it forth in a way where if you're a company brand, right, people, a company doesn't in itself have a heart and a soul and a voice, Mm. right? So you can have an epic brand, but if there's no humanity or human connection behind it and people are going through a crisis, you can't trust in the same way that you can into a human being who you can clearly see cares. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, I think personal brand, both to the large influencers and entrepreneurs and to people just starting out is mattering more and more. I'll add one more thing on this is to people starting out right now, even early on in their careers, you know, where the world 10, 20 years ago, uh, a lot of corporate careers that you would go into a building for, need a degree for, so on and so forth have turned into what are now freelance opportunities, mm-hmm. personal brands, solopreneurs, uh, in virtually every industry, this is happening. Yes. And the personal brand is the new resume. Um, and so what, you know, when you're, if I, even if somebody comes in for an interview and they send me their stuff, I'm still going to Google them mm-hmm. and see what Google has to say about them. Absolutely. And, if the first thing that comes up is their personal brand site, great. They really control that placement. If the first thing, if, if, but if I can't find their stuff or who they are, or they find something that just looks, make, doesn't represent them well, then even before I talk to them, it all impacts first impression. Mm-hmm. And, and we live in a world now where personal branding, uh, having a personal brand website used to be something only for those that were entrepreneurial. But it's mm-hmm. absolutely become something that no matter what, no matter employee, state level, government person, it literally doesn't matter. Having yeah. that placement in Google and owning it and telling your story the way you want it to be told and controlling mm-hmm. that is the most important thing people can do. I would argue more so than even social media. And what I mean by that is that a lot of times when people go, and they want to get a job or they want to do something in their lives or they want to accelerate their entrepreneurial career, we place a lot of precedence on social media. But I would argue that if I'm looking that person's name up, the first thing I'm going to click on is not their Instagram. It's their website. Because if I want the whole story. Address, that'll be the right. first thing to check out. 
Yes, for sure. And um, I wonder, have you thought about social media at all? Like, do you see a future where influence is helping shape a person's social media profile? Just a random thing that came to me. I'm curious if you've thought about that or the future of where some of Influx's work is going. So social media and I, and I, this really with all services that we've considered, because right now we're kind of positioned as, okay, we're the number one in exactly what we do, which is mm -hmm. building really beautiful personal brand sites that express your essence, amplify your influence. And we do it for companies and products and all of that as well, but we're number one in what we do. And so that gives the temptation a lot to use that brand authority and trust mm. to get into other services. Um, and that temptation has existed there for years. And so far, I've resisted doing that. Smart. So knowing that, okay, we could use our brand authority and trust to then sell people social media services, advertising, SEO, email marketing. I could probably build teams around those things, all of that. And there may be a point where we do some of that because we get to the core of who somebody is. And through that, of course, we have the opportunity to do their messaging online, do ongoing campaigns for them, uh, their site and SEO all work together, uh, do their social media marketing, all of that. So the temptation is totally yeah. there. And there's a chance that we may go into that. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the hesitation has been, we want to be the best at what we do. Mm -hmm. And there's other people who are the best at what they do with social media mm -hmm. and with SEO and with email marketing and with video. And so I haven't wanted to go into something to leverage our brand authority just because we can and dilute the power of our brand yeah. and what we do. That being said, I think the way we, and, and we do do like social media designs and graphics and ad designs for people congruent with their site, but that still fits within the design paradigm. Wow. The, the thing that we are exploring is finding those people that are number one in what they do, mm. bringing them in as partners or referral partners. So we have a referral partner network and then the people who refer to them become dream clients for them because we're like, Hey, here's the depth of who this person is. Here's their brand Bible. Ooh. Here's their site. Here's their design. Here's their everything. Here's their core messaging. Here's their origin story. Now you go do their social media marketing. And yeah, if they're already great at what they do, they're like, wow, this is a dream client. So, so, so I interviewed Neil Patel. I don't know if you know him or if I've introduced you to him, but I, I, I have to, cause he's also an agency owner and brilliant marketer. And, mm -hmm. um, so Neil Patel digital, you know, one of the things they do well is SEO, but uh, over the years of working with Neil, I know that he's gotten those requests. He just has a really good referral system set up for exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And that process of referring out to those partners that are world-class at what they do and just kind of hand like he sets them up to have the best SEO possible. And then it's like, all right, let me take you over here for PPC, you know, or right. to this person for that, or you need a sales team. Boom. I got you. So brilliant. And I love that because I think that you are number one and there's still so much of the market that needs you. So the, mm -hmm. the market penetration, if we can call it that, is still yeah. massive. The opportunity to connect all these influencers over to you and just scale that one thing that you do and continue right. to do it really, really well um, and, and, and educate that other tier of the personal brand space as well. That's, that, you could argue that's a new that's a new product, basically. Yeah, That's a whole new market. Like what we're doing with Pro Sites, which yeah. is kind of our mid-level offer, is a new product. The training is a new product. So 
we figure we want to just stay really vertical with yeah. this, which is stay in doing what we do best and only add on services or products or offerings that then enhance the core thing that we do best. So us doing education mm-hmm. enhances the services. Us doing more innovative services enhances the level of education. Now, if we were to start doing, let's say, social media or decided to start an ad agency as part of what we do, it's not that that may not be a fit in the future. It's that right now it would take attention away from the core thing that we do really well. Yes. And and so because of that, it it would divert it would it would divert the effort and creativity and cohesion that we have as a team. And we might get complacent in the top thing that we do. And we'd rather we're like, okay, we're number one. That means we get to just keep getting better and keep mm-hmm. accelerating at that. Rather than what so many entrepreneurs do, I think, is they reach a certain level of success. I like, okay, next. Totally agree. Okay, next. And I think that that and I think that, that oftentimes I see that happen right before they hit the inflection point. Yes. Right before they hit this like launch off rocket ship point. And because there is exponential growth that right. is occurring and would occur had you stayed more vertical, oftentimes. Right. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's not to say, you know, don't diversify business. There's so many different ways to grow. Um, but that's been my philosophy. Do it when you plateau, maybe, yeah. right? It's like if you really plateau and you know for sure that you are at maximum output and energy of everything mm-hmm. you can do. And you've actually literally reached the total addressable market that you think you can, mm-hmm. um, then it might be a good time to, to pivot into those things. So I absolutely agree. Yeah. And I have to say, Dimitri, one of your superpowers, and I'm curious how much this has helped you with Influx, is relationship building. You're mm-hmm. an unbelievable relationship builder. And your Thank ability you. to, yeah, I mean it, your ability to... You know what I see when I when I see you in relationship building? It's it's courage. Mm. That's what I think of. Because you place yourself, you have courage to make certain bets on how to reach certain people. Mm. And then when the opportunity strikes, you have the courage to actually sit there and put yourself at their level and say, I'm an equal, let's build a relationship. And so many people lack that. Talk to mm. me about that, man, because that's that's truly a superpower. Mm. Thank you. I'll reflect on the the first time I did this in a pretty big way was when I was 23, went to underground online marketing seminar as a young entrepreneur scholarship recipient. And Yannick Silver was the person running the event. It was it was his his event. He had a passion for young entrepreneurs. And long story short, as I was watching Yannick for the two days, I was like, I really want him as a mentor. And there's he's like this guru, there's this room of 500 people. I'm just some kid. And I ended up uh, approaching him and having some conversations and it turned into this mentorship relationship where we then partnered a number of businesses together. We started Maverick next together. I helped them launch Evolved Enterprise and all of that. And that introduced me to all these really high level experiences with these top entrepreneurs. So I want, I want to stop you because there's so many people I feel that yeah. <laughs> just that the first words of I approached him are freaking the fuck out. So they're yeah. like, okay, what do you mean you approached him? And then how did you not sound like an idiot? Because I remember myself Probably at that age. Yeah. I remember myself at that age. It was like, what's in it for me? How can I benefit here? And everyone I approached mm. was about that. So yeah. there had to be something unique about how you did it. And, or at least maybe you were bad the first time and the 10th time, but mm. you developed an, something to learn how to add value to others. What is that? Yeah. So that's, I think that's really key is I, I always looked at it from the perspective of 
what can I do to add value to this person? And the beautiful thing about having a service business and anybody that's a service provider, got an agency, anything along those lines, the best way to actually get a mentor for yourself is just go do services for somebody for free and offer it. And then with Yannick, I actually specifically said, um, this is after our initial conversation. Initially, we bonded with a passion around young entrepreneurs. Mm. Afterwards, I basically reached out and I said, hey, uh, I would really love you as a mentor. And would you be willing to uh, mentor me? And I have this web design agency, be willing to do some work at cost or for free for you. I looked at his website. So I'm like, they definitely need help. Mm-hmm. Um, and I approached him with that. And at the time I was like, Hey, I'll do all this stuff for cost. And if you give me like an hour a week, uh, of mentorship and he replied, he's like, yeah, let's do that. But it's like a half hour every other week. I was like, cool. Got it. Um, and that introduced me to his world and it doesn't even have to be wow. a particular commitment, but just being in connection, sure. especially starting out yeah. your career. Yeah, a lot of people get that that wrong that it doesn't have to be a formal mentorship. Mm-hmm. Just give the yeah. value and they'll be around. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And to keep showing up and giving mm-hmm. value to people. So I'm in that position now on the other side where a lot of people come in and they're like, hey, what can we do for you? How can we support? And it's really cool to see that when people lead with that. Because mm-hmm. um, I just know regardless of what we do with them, they're going to be successful in their own right. And... um with Yannick, what happened here is this is actually an important journey of my own ego through my 20s as well, is then I I was kind of like, I was 23, I was had my business doing four or five grand a month, actually got to like six figure level, I think, mm. through 23. Um, and so compared to my peer network, I was like, oh, I'm doing so well. And then I get into this group with Mavericks and they all got like seven, eight, nine figure businesses. I'm the youngest and poorest person in the room, <laughs> by far the most clueless on so many levels. And wow, the level of imposter syndrome mm-hmm. in those rooms for years and how much I over tried to prove my value or do things to make me feel or look valuable. Like I, I could contribute something because I was so insecure um, that actually had quite an impact on the, like it, if it's felt right, people just feel uncomfortable yes. with that because once you're in the room, then there's kind of this assumption that, Hey, I'm here to contribute, but we are peers. We're our equals as well as, um, I'm here to learn. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was definitely a journey of, uh, learning and every new network I enter, I still have like, I, I I'd say I haven't felt it in a while, but when I got into genius network at first. I was like, wow, these people mm-hmm. are playing at a whole nother level. And I feel like an imposter here. And oftentimes I hear the story in my head of like, oh, I just don't fit in or this isn't my tribe or whatever. Um, and really that story is just me being afraid of uh, of connection and me playing the comparative game in my mind. So I've Beautiful. brought enough awareness to that, that at this point, I can just connect with almost anyone as human to human. Um, while being aware there's something I can contribute to them, there's something they can contribute to me. Um, and, uh, and even going into as many relationships as I can with just no agenda, no idea of what, like they can contribute to me. If I have a gift to give, give it or offer it. Don't push it at all. Um, I'd say probably the last conversation I had where I felt like, uh, Somewhat in flow, but still like really nervous and didn't know how to be was with Richard Branson. So there's like, <laughs> you know, on Necker, it was my third time on Necker Island, probably my fourth time 
meeting. Really? Richard. Third time? And uh, yeah, uh, this past December. So I went twice with Yannick. Uh-huh. And this past December went for, they had a Necker Cup, Necker Open event. And I built where they have this golf and tennis tournament. And I partially got there because these are like $50,000 trips. I partially got there through uh, doing a promotional site for the event. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was different because it was, uh, it was the other times it was more business context. This was like Richard and his family. I ended up making really good friends with his son, Sam Branson, just such an, an amazing human being. But then talking to Richard, um, we also contributed a lot. Like we did oceanunite.org for them, uh, for the Virgin, uh, Virgin Unite brand, and just contributed a lot of stuff there. And I just remember I went to talk to Richard and I was just like, uh, 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 it was, I was yeah. so I, I I tried to be cool, but I and I even remember like trying to sit next to him to talk, uh-huh. and my level of awkwardness within myself and my energetics because the comparative imposture yeah. or whatever is going on there. Oh, say the right thing. You just have thirty seconds. Just say say the right. There's I would just say yeah yeah, um, and I could feel I could watch him do it with others, and I could feel with me mm-hmm. is he was just like really kind, but kind of like avoidant of that energy of like, ah, oh, this mm-hmm. is the person who's putting me on a pedestal. I'm just going to go that way and connect mm-hmm. with humans. So interesting. people at no matter what level they are, you know, unless they're like complete narcissists and they want to be put on, on a huge pedestal, mm-hmm. for the most part, people like, like Richard, like no matter what 100%. level they play at, they're like, Hey, I just want to connect. Genuine connection. And the yeah. more you put people on a pedestal, this isn't to say don't respect and honor people's accomplishments and contributions and the level they play at right it's more like the more you put them on a pedestal the more separate they feel and i don't want to connect when like somebody like thinks i'm like a god figure and people don't want to connect yes. with others when somebody thinks they're a god figure it's like it just makes it awkward this might be this might be the most important. Than being a human. yeah this is such an important distinction in relationship building because so many of us are taught through personal development to surround ourselves with people that are further along, especially if we want to be more successful, right? We need to get around people and be very cautious who we spend time with. But then when we do that or we build the courage to do that, we get in the room and we get next to them and we have that moment where they're very godlike and they're 10, 20, 30, 40 years beyond where we are in terms of experience or accomplishments or accolades. And I can tell you without a doubt, the reason that I've been able to build relationships with so many people is like in, in, the, in the scenario where they're a guy, it's like, they're just a bro to me. I'm like, hey, bro, you know, like, 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 like another homie, another friend, mm-hmm. another anybody. You just so happen to be a New York Times bestselling author. Great. And I love your book and it changed my life. And anyway, back to being human. Yeah. And that's that's really it. And that's such a distinction that's really important. And there's levels of this, right? People even put me on a pedestal sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so what I do is I also get that awkward feeling, but sometimes I take it as a learning, op- as an opportunity to help that person. And I've helped people by disarming them. Like not disarming, disarming is not the right word, by 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 calming them down and and actually like kind of nudging them and and I'll take that kind of energy of being like it's all good man like you know relax mm-hmm. we're good yeah. like you know like just yeah. just talk to me to kind of help them understand that uh, putting me on a pedestal is not going to do anything for them yeah. it's not going to make me want to help you more or mentor you more or or anything. Yeah. It's just yeah. about if anything, it's just going to have me feel like at some point if I'm on a pedestal. 
at some point I'm going to fall off their pedestal because my yeah. humanity is not going to beat their projection. Oof. And that'll be weird. Yeah. Um, I think another, another key point on this is, is leading with genuine curiosity. Mm. Um, and I think until you've practiced this enough, maybe what's valuable is having like some prep questions that you might ask people just be a really good question True. asker. True. Um, and I think that can be valuable in the beginning of a relationship building when you're just starting to like go out and network, you're early in your career. But for the most part, like taking the script away and just having genuine curiosity. And that takes care of a lot of the imposter syndrome as well. Because imposter syndrome yes. usually says, what should I say and how should I be so that I fit in? Mm. And it has us say things or show up in ways to try to fit in, to try to meet a certain perceived expectation rather than being ourselves where in reality like you actually when connecting with another human you actually have to say very little and the more inquisitive and curious you are and it, it and and again there's a difference between i think scripted questions yeah where you're like i'm gonna ask this person this question because i'm gonna be so cool because i asked richard branson a question about something right right but actually just being really present and genuine of like what's what's true for me in this moment what am i actually curious about uh with this person even as simple as hey like what's it could literally be as simple as like hey what's what's a really cool highlight for you this week whether you're a multi-billionaire or you're a college kid somebody will have an answer to that that gives you an insight into their world in a recent way um so there's much deeper questions that you can ask for sure something like that even on a casual level um yeah and, and you don't want to come in too answers, <laughs> yeah yeah somebody answers and you're like oh like what was so the what was so awesome about that or like what what value does that reflect for you mm-hmm. um if they let's say share something they're super proud of yeah. and they might be like oh well yeah you know i really like I, you might ask me and i might be like yeah i actually performed at like this open mic and that was really fun for me and all that and be like oh yeah like what is that why is that important to you? And then just start getting more and more. And curious. I might be like, oh, I yeah. love poetic self-expression and spoken word. Now within two questions, you got to know so much about me. So I think it's just important lead with genuine curiosity. And if you don't know what to ask, just ask something simple and connect mm-hmm. and do more asking than talking. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. These are so important. I'm so glad I asked you this question because this is really valuable stuff. And one thing to mention is I've, I, uh, I've had, I've had certain people come up to me and ask like, were they coming a little bit too hot? And I think that's important too, is that nervousness sometimes leads to like, well, fuck, I better ask a really good question. Mm-hmm. So like people know I like philosophy and they'll come up and be like, Armand, what is the meaning of death? Like, what are we supposed to do with death? And I'm like, buy me a beer, like, or you know, something. Yeah. like, let's, let's slow down a little bit. And I think it's right. important to, as you said, it's like, get to that question. Very good question. But, you know, it, it kind of just needs to start with like a genuine level. Yeah, because sometimes you also curiosity. don't feel like talking about the meaning of death in that moment. Yeah, yeah. Or like yeah. somebody might ask me a deep question about like artistic expression or websites. Sure. Or something. I might just be like, hey, I'm just kind of looking to chill. Um, and then I might be like, but tell me about you. I'm curious to listen. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. So really powerful stuff. I remember the first time I met uh, Chris Gillibo. Uh, mm-hmm. His book was transformational in my life. He wrote a book called "The Art of Nonconformity," and he wrote another one. Uh, so that that book, and it wasn't very big at the time. I don't think it was like a big New York Times bestseller or anything. And I don't remember 
who gave it to me, but that was like my four hour work week. It was like mm. mind blowing, mind blowing. Um, and then he also wrote a book called the hundred dollar startup. That one really set him on the map and made him, you know, kind of a big deal. And, mm. um, I was working at Google. It was like my first month of working at Google and he came by to do a talk and he came by to do a talk. There was no one in the room. No one really cared. No one was there. So it was like me and maybe 10 other people. Mm-hmm. And then the talk's over and everyone walks away. And I'm like, it's Chris Gillibo, guys. Like, <laughs> you know, come on, pay attention. Like, so I walk up to him and I was so <laughs> nervous and I was not yet an entrepreneur. So I didn't really know a lot. I mean, I was good at relationship building and all this stuff, but I still got nervous. And he looks at me, he goes, so do you like to travel? <laughs> Uh, and it was great because he like he he did what I talked about doing now for people, which is like mm-hmm. just kind of settle them in. We're both human. You probably like to travel because that's why you follow me, you know, because yeah. I'm a huge traveler. And it was great. It was a be- beautiful example of that mm-hmm. in my life. Where um, and I have to call out a book that really was transformational for me in this art and craft of relationship building: How to Win Friends and Influence People mm-hmm. by Dale Carnegie. Yep, read gave that one me. So much confidence. Wow. It made meeting people fun. It was like, I need to go back to it. I think it's always a good one to go back to. And I might have been like 19 years old too. Mm-hmm. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, those fundamentals. Think and grow rich. I read when I was 19, how to win friends and influence people. Mm-hmm. 19. A lot of those, like, I, I think when people are just starting out, I mean, these books are timeless. Yep. Essentially old and timeless. You have to. Yeah. So Dimitri, um, in this time with everything going on, uh, it's very turbulent. It's very chaotic. We have accelerated change. I'm curious what you are individually doing in your life to find peace and groundedness and rituals that are healthy. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Say the number one thing that... I cycle through various rituals. Sometimes I'm super on it. Sometimes I'm not. The one thing that's consistent through everything that's the most self-correcting ritual I've had for many years is just journaling. Mm. Um, and sometimes I'll journal on my iPad and type and other times I, I do it in just a regular notebook. Um, I find that what journaling does for me, and there's both a structured journaling process that I have and just total free flow. And sometimes it turns into writing poetry, but just writing mm-hmm. for myself for nobody else's eyes is it, it gives me a place to be really honest with myself. And sometimes I'm surprised at what I write. Mm-hmm. And, and if I, if I'm off my game in life or if I'm not doing most of my rituals and I journal, I'll pretty quickly get on my game because I'll reflect on here's what I'm feeling. Here's what's not going well in my life. Oh, I'm not doing these things. And so it's like, I think, you know, there's a lot of value in having coaches. And I think that the greatest value of an effective coach is to ask you the right questions Mm -hmm. so that you can find your own answers and your own truth. And that's the mark of, in in my experience and opinion, a really great and effective coach is the level Mm -hmm. of questions they ask and the insight and inquiry that they bring into your own truth. And I think that journaling can be this wonderful self-coaching process, whether that's the intention when you start writing or not, or it's just to see 
what's in your mind. Cause this thing, this mind of ours, right. It's got a lot of things bouncing around in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of beautiful things and a whole lot of trash. Yeah. Uh, and we don't even know what came in where and how it got planted there uh, well and what's, what's ours and so on and so forth. And journaling takes it out of the mind onto paper in a way that I can see it. And I've, uh, Yannick asked me this question. I think when I was, I think I was 24, Yannick's a big journaler and he, he journals in these colors and draws all these doodles and like really cool artistic mm-hmm. journaler. Uh, he calls himself like the cosmic doodler. So one time I was, I was at his house and I kind of just like flipped through his journal and, uh, and he just got really uncomfortable. He's like, Hey, Hey. Um, and then later he asked me, he's like, Hey, how honest are you in your journal? Are you hundred percent honest in your journal? Um, and I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I'm like, maybe 80%, maybe 50%. I don't really know. He goes, well, I'm hundred percent honest in my journal. So that's why I'd rather you not like look at it without my permission. I was like, Oh, profound. Cause then like, mm. then I really started a deeper journaling practice where I wasn't scared to write for what anybody. was in there. Cause before yeah. there, I had this fear and that fear projected. It's like, why was it? Why did I think Me it was up through his journal? Me too. Right? I, didn't I was read always afraid my mom was going to open my journal or something. So yeah. I never, ever like, <laughs> yeah. And so, um, and I've had that happen before with like past relationships, like somebody read my journal where like, it wasn't okay or invited. And, but then I realize now I'm like the journaling writing process is literally just for me and no one else. And what that gives me permission to do is write whatever it feels true for me. Um, and I don't write in a way where sometimes I'll write in a way where I'm creating my reality with intention, mm-hmm. right? Positively. Most times I'll just write whatever feels honest for me. And it gives the space for my shadows to come out mm-hmm. um, where my consciousness may be managing them otherwise in front of other people. And so part of the full self-expression process is self-honesty and journaling is the best practice to do that. Um, and then that leads to then what other rituals do I need to adjust in my life of mm. I'll pretty quickly through journaling realize like, Oh, I've been eating like shit the last few days right. or, Oh, I I'm tired. I'm not sleeping very well. Or, um, like I, Oh wow. I've been doing yoga for five days straight. I feel incredible. I want to keep doing this. And by writing that in, I am more likely to extend the practice a lot longer. Mm -hmm. Um, So all the human things around rituals, there's so many things that, that I do do and cycle through. Um, Yoga is one of them. Uh, Just doing little bits of exercise first thing in the morning, even if it's just like pushups and squats, Mm -hmm. Um, getting embodied. I had this uh, wisdom come through on a medicine ceremony once. It was just like the answers in your body. And the more I integrate my body, the more uh, everything else works. Hmm. Um, So there's a lot. And ultimately, I think that for me, as long as I consistently journal and I'm 100% honest in my journal, Hmm. almost everything else in life will take care of itself because I just always have this higher self coach that'll reflect me back to me. Wow. Wow. Because that answer... It's so easy to say, you know, I, I, I do my morning stretch or I meditate or I do these things that ground me, but you're absolutely right that journaling is the sort of godfather process to mm-hmm. all of this because it's the place that all of that can be understood, mm-hmm. absorbed, reflected upon in an honest way. Um, I picked up journaling uh, about mm, a year a year and not maybe a little more than a year ago 
where I finally was like, I need to incorporate this into my life. Mm-hmm. And it came when the noise was just too much. No matter how much I was meditating, no matter what I was doing, I felt like I couldn't quite settle mm-hmm. the mind. And it's because there's mostly junk in there. As you said, mm-hmm. it's just mostly yeah. stuff jumping junk around. And there's so many good things there's flowing so, through. Exactly. Actually, when you don't give them an outlet, you either lose them or you repress and suppress them. Yes. And if you're a creative person, like shit, there's a lot of stuff going on in the mind. You get it out and there's usually these gold nuggets in there yeah. in the midst of maybe a lot of trash that you're like, oh, I'm so gra- grateful I sat down to write because there's a little nugget totally. in there that might just be completely game changing or life changing. Yeah. Have you heard of the process of morning pages or the book, The Artist Way? Yes. Yeah. So I love The Artist Way. I used to do morning pages. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really profound as well, especially waking up and just like getting all the stuff out of my head. Yeah. And my it would oftentimes process these emotions for me of like, I might wake up angry. And instead of going to like, oh, let me go manage my anger and do yoga and whatever. It's like, let me just actually, that anger is there for a reason. Let me just mm. journal whatever I'm feeling and thinking. Mm. Um, so it, it, it would be a beautiful clearing process. Is your process then, different than morning pages now or how does it compare? Yep. So I've, uh, I'll share, I've, I've basically three versions of journaling mm-hmm. that I do. One is every morning I do uh, Roger Hamilton's eight wealth lighthouse questions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and it takes me less than five minutes because huh. it's a sentence or two on each. It's what am I, one is, what am I grateful for? Two is who do I love? Three is why am I so happy? Mm. You can't answer that question without literally getting happier and smiling. Yeah. Um, Four is what am I committed to? Uh, Five is how committed am I? Which is a really like, and it could just be a eight out of 10 or 10 out of 10, but it gives you an honesty on what am I committed to? I'm committed to working out every day. How committed am I? I'm like, oh, like a seven out of 10 because I clearly haven't worked out every day this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, so anyway, what am I committed to? How committed am I? Uh, number six is what is my intention? What is my intention for the day? Like, how do I want to show up? Number seven is what is my wish, which is like dancing with the universe, like mm-hmm. desire, um, which is really cool because sometimes I'll put something in there. Oh, I wish a new client comes in today. And then I'll get a new client referral mm. and which would have probably happened anyway, but it feels so much more magical because yeah. I have the universe <laughs> for it. Um, and, or sometimes it'll be more about like, Hey, what do I wish? I wish that I have really clear energy to show up well today. And that will actually guide my behavior more intentionally. Absolutely. Um, and number eight is why am I here? Mm. Which is really obviously profound, deep spiritual question and it could literally just be a, why am I here today? Mm. Or it could be, why am I here in this life? What am I here to do? Um, and my answer to it, sometimes is very similar, sometimes radically changes. Uh, but it's just, all of these are intuitive. So I do this every morning. Wow. And because it, 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 gratitude, love, happiness, mm-hmm. commitment, honesty with that commitment. How do I want to show up? Then desire, desire for self, desire for universe. And then purpose. All of that is integrated in those those eight questions. Takes me less than five minutes. Wow. At the end of each evening, I do what I call either highlights and insights or blessings and lessons, but just writing down Mm. list of here's all the things I either accomplished today, all the great things that happened. And then here's my lessons or insights from the day. Basically things I could have done better or things that I learned. 
And that helps tremendously with my insomnia because mm. otherwise my mind gets so active. And even if I work a 12 hour day and get a lot of things done, I'll still feel guilty at the end of the day for the things that didn't get done. Same. And I've been navigating this like Same. my whole life, especially as an entrepreneur, because there's always more things that could get done. When I write that list, I'm like, holy shit, I got so much stuff done today. Mm-hmm. And awesome. I learned some cool things today. Um, so I'm learning and growing every night. And I'm filling myself with gratitude and pride and sense of accomplishment. And I can lay down a bed and like my hormones mm. get more balanced. So instead of the cortisol, like must do more, it, I have the, whether it's oxytocin or serotonin or whatever. And I'm just like, yeah, mm-hmm. good job. Mm-hmm. Good work today. It's like you just so checked it, off a lot of boxes at once and mm-hmm. you're, you feel more relief. Yeah. Yeah. So it's those two. And then other than that, just freehand open journaling of Mm. here's what's present for me. There's a lot of other practices within that. I won't go into Mm -hmm. a lot of detail, but I'll just say, you know, we, the the quality of your life oftentimes depends on the quality of the questions you ask Mm. both of others and yourself. And so there's freehand open journaling, and then there's asking yourself good questions. Mm -hmm. And if you ask yourself a really good question in your own journal, and there's so many good questions to ask, but ask yourself a good question in your own journal even if it's about something specific in your life, like, uh, Hey, I'm looking to make a decision. Like you're, you're, you're moving right now. Right. And I've been in places where I'm like, Hey, I'm not sure if I should move or what's going on for me here, but I feel this intuition pulling me. And I'll literally ask myself the question of where's the best place to live for the next chapter of my life. Hmm. And then I'll start journaling on what is the next chapter of my life? What do I want? What do I want, want for my energetics? All of that. I've never actually had to choose a place to live my entire adult life. The places have chosen me, but part of that has been raising this awareness. Mm-hmm. And so ask yourself good questions in journal, raise awareness for yourself and then, uh, and then answer them. And then the universe kind of works in these mysterious ways when you mm. open your eyes to what's within you. Powerful, very powerful, man. Um, I'm definitely going to have to incorporate some of this for sure. Maybe even all of it actually, because I really think that a bit of guided journaling can go a long way asking yourself these questions. And I absolutely agree with what you said. There's power in asking yourself the right questions because that's what shapes meaning. That's what shapes meaning. And it does allow the, the truth to come through you, um, and really come mm-hmm. to the forefront. And I can tell you just in the last year of doing this, um, and most recently over the last few months doing morning pages now, man, I'm in such a more clear space to be able to show up and let the good stuff that's in my mind and my heart and my body and my intuition and my soul come out and express itself. But until we get the gunk out of the pipes and we clear, you know, the well a little bit, you're not, you're not going to be able to pull that stuff forward. And what ends up happening, I find is it's just this reaction to the chatter all day long. And it just, just needs mm-hmm. a place. It's almost like I think of it as a physical thing. It just needs it needs to exit the mind so that the mind can slow down just enough to be able to find the present moment. So mm-hmm. thank you for sharing that, man. Um, as we work towards wrapping up, I'm curious if there's anything you want to end with or anything you want to say that that you feel would be important to the conversation to, to really put a nice little period on the end of this. I would love to wrap up with a spoken word piece. Mm. And honoring the, so glad the, I asked. the podcast about flow. And this is where I find my greatest flow and energy and all of it. God, so glad I asked. And so I was going to do 
a shorter piece called Stay Hungry, Stay Foolish. Um, I'm not going to do that piece. I'll actually just give you a link and uh, if people want to find it, it'll be somewhere on the episode page or blog. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I do want to share is a piece that I've never recorded, uh, never share. I posted some of the lyrics, but I've never shared publicly. And it's a really meaningful piece um, in that I wrote it right at the beginning of this pandemic and it has been the most radically transformational time in my life. And I wrote it in context of a lot of journaling. Hmm. And the my spoken word name is Forward. Mm-hmm. So I spell it F-O-R-W-O-R-D. Mm-hmm. And the concept is moving the world forward with words. Um, and so this piece is called Forward. Hmm. And it's got all the meanings of forward in it. Um, I'm excited to share it because it's vulnerable in that it's unedited. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's I don't know if it's in a complete phase, but it feels so right to share right now in this moment. Feel honored. So it'll probably be about uh, three minutes here. Hit it. I live for words. These four words, I give them forward as the forward. To the story of my life. That first, I write as fiction. I birth it as a vision. Script a purpose and a mission. Then I work it with ambition. Looking back on my past. And I learn from what I've written. Because every chapter that's passed has a kernel of my wisdom. And while I can't go back and reverse it through revisions, I can always look forward and determine my conditions. Hmm. Every word is a decision. Every step forward to my mission and my vision is serving as a literal conversion of the fiction from uncertain premonition into a world in which I'm living. I wrote this book forward for you to read and look back on this journal I've inscripted as a permanent description of the person I've depicted in this impermanent existence to read again and look forward into the world you can envision from immersion in the wisdom that the world in which you're living is the world that you've envisioned. It emerged as a condition of your personal commitments to your words and your decisions of the curses you've been gifted that you've turned from your limits to the service you deliver. And the part of your world that's still a prison with the worst of your decisions And the hurt that you've inflicted on the very person that you've hidden from the world so you can fit in, that emerges as a condition of the words you haven't written. And the purpose that's been missing when you've been a persecuted victim of the curse of your resistance. You're the victim and the persecutor. Listen. This sermon is permission to let that person be forgiven. You are worthy of the wisdom that emerges when you listen to the urge of intuition. Through your purpose, you'll be given the purity of vision and a certainty of mission to determine this world in which you're living. Remember, this world is what you've written. And while you can't return to the beginning... At any age, you can change the page 
and write a different version with a personal revision. There are no permanent conditions. Life emerges as you live it. Life returns what you will give it. Life's impermanent, unlimited, but has a terminal transition for the person that you're living as. But here's the surface contradiction. Your rebirth is every minute. While maturing, there's a kid in you that's learning to relive it. So I encourage you, this minute, with these lyrics, to journal on your vision with a purpose and a mission, a clear personal depiction of the person you envision, and make sure you have it written with courage and conviction Mm -hmm. because a dream will never birth into existence if you don't first believe the fiction. The word is the beginning. Good God. Good God, I have to admit, that's really emotional, man. Mm. Wow. I, I was, it was profound how much of our conversation was wrapped up in that, you know, journaling, mm-hmm. death, hiding the, the person we are of like the, like the, the, and then forgiving that. And just, there's so mm-hmm. much, so much in this. So and, much. And it's so really much. like, yeah, it, it comes back to, we get to write our realities. So coming back to this journaling practice, it's whether literally or figuratively, we're always writing our realities and the parts of our lives that don't, don't work or that feel limited and all of that is usually because we haven't brought intention to how we're writing them. Hmm. And, uh, yeah. So hopefully, hopefully there's a, there's a gift in that. And I find God. with my own poetry, part of how this process works for me is my poetry is my own teaching to myself. Yes. Um, most of my stuff, it's like, I don't feel like my, I don't feel like my ego, the part of me that I even identifies as an artist writes it. Mm-hmm. It, it comes through me as a message for my ego, as a message mm-hmm. for my human to be able to walk through life. And so Every time I, even pieces that I wrote five years ago, I, I re-listen to it or reread it or I perform it and I get something new out of it each time. <laughs> and so this piece for, for those of you listening, if this, uh, if this impacted you and you're like, hey, there's some lines in there, re-listen to it a few times because mm. I get literally every time I perform it, I'm like, oh, there's something new or that's the word I needed mm-hmm. right now. Uh, thank you. So um, I'll make sure to get the lyrics. Yeah, uh, please. Spoken like a true artist comes through you. Thank you for that gift. Um, what a way to end an incredible conversation. I'm going to be marinating on that all day. I'll probably be re-listening to our recording <laughs> since I get to until everyone else has to wait. Um, beautiful. Thank you for the gift of that. Uh, so perfect in its timing and so perfect with our conversation. Thank you for your time, brother. I'm honored to know you. Appreciate you. This has been awesome. Thank you, brother. Thank you. This is uh, the way you've inquired has been such a gift. Thank you for seeing me. Thank you for extracting out the best. And uh, to everyone 
listening here, I am, uh, I'm so grateful to share myself with you and that uh, you're listening to this incredible human that just keeps bringing in uh, more and more wisdom for you with every interview. And I know, Armand, you're just doing this as you're like learning for yourself. And thank you for being courageous and vulnerable enough to share that gift with others, whether it's one person listening or millions of people listening, you get to have an impact yeah, through these conversations. Real so, recognize real brother. Mark. Thank you. Thank you. There it is, my lovely people, my conversation with Dimitri. That was a blast. I loved catching up with him and learning uh, so much, especially in particular around what we talked about toward the beginning there around integrity, masculine and feminine versions of integrity. And then all that stuff about uh, his journaling practice, I'm definitely going to be incorporating that into my daily journaling practice. I suggest you do as well, because this is a wise man that we all should uh, really pay attention to some of the things that he's talking about. There's a lot of gold in everything that he was sharing. Um, Like I said in the beginning of this conversation, if you want more information on Influix, just text me hashtag Influex, I-N-F-L-U-E-X, at 619-825-2595, and I'll have a special link for you to check out and get more information on everything that his company is doing, and they really are absolutely world-class at this. If you want to see what it looks like, check out my website, armanasadi.com, to see an example of what your website could look like. Um, And finally, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend get it in someone's hands who needs it and make sure to hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes and the follow button on Spotify and the whatever button wherever you're listening, Stitcher, Google, all that good stuff. And if you haven't already, please leave me a review in Apple Podcasts. It means the world. Just take 15 seconds to do it and I would love to read your thoughts. Hope you enjoyed this one. Until next time, friendos, peace.